Hello and welcome back to Fully Booked, the Hidden Gems author podcast where Craig Touch and myself, Roland Hume, delve deep into this crazy business we're in of writing and self-publishing. And today we are super excited to welcome back for the second time a superstar of a guest, Erin Wright, who you probably know from the Facebook group Wide for the Win. She came and joined us for episode 10 talking about the, the thought process behind going wide rather than keeping your books in KDB Select. And now she is going to bestow us all with uh, wisdom and uh, information about marketing. So Erin, how are you doing this morning? I am doing really well. I, I hope I can live up to that billing. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Yeah, you blew us away last time. And Craig, good morning, Craig. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. I'm I'm so glad that Erin uh, came back because, you know, uh, episode 10 when she was on, that was sort of like the primer to get everyone um, on up to speed on what going wide is and why they should do it. And, you know, lots of people already know that obviously, but um, I always wanted to make sure that we had that sort of base to move from so that we could have you back on to talk in more depth on some of the, uh, the deeper issues. And one of the ones that I always wanted to talk to you about um, was the, was the idea of marketing, because I think mm-hmm. um, when you're wide, the question is like, you know, especially if you're advertising, it's one thing with newsletters, but if, if with advertising specifically, you know, if you're using Facebook let's say, and you create an ad, you have to have a link. And if that link goes to one storefront, that doesn't really help your sales on the other storefronts. So I've always Mm -hmm. sort of had that question about how do you handle that? um, And what are the best practices around that? So, you know, hopefully you've got lots to say about that. Um, I'm afraid I'm probably going to disappoint you. Um, I do have a few thoughts, but I actually have never run a Facebook ad in my life. Oh, it doesn't have to be Facebook. I mean, that's exactly why you're here. You you tell us the best ways to do it, right? <laughs> All right. Yeah, yeah, right. Um, Yeah, I would actually have to Google to figure out where the Facebook ads dashboard's at. <laughs> um, so I'm not, uh, to put it mildly, a Facebook ads uh, guru, but I have friends who have run Facebook ads, and I can tell you that with them, they will either use their own website. Um, they quite often you can put, oh, what is that? There's a, like a tracking thing that you can put on uh, your website so that you can then retarget people, right? Yeah. Um, if that makes sense to people who run Facebook ads. Yeah, anyway, Facebook pixels, um, yeah. Pixel, that was it. I was like, it's not a cookie. It's something else. Yeah, yeah. Oh, actually, that is, it is something else. A pixel gives Facebook information. But I think what you're talking about is you put a link and when they arrive on your website, it redirects them. If they arrive from the website from Britain, it goes to the .co.uk. No, that's, or, that's, oh, a, no. that's like a URL. Um, if you have a smart URL, you Redirect. can do that. Yeah, mm-hmm. but the, the pixel, was so she's talking about is uh, Facebook pixels track all sorts of stuff. And then you, uh, you were saying you can use that to um, retarget people. So Facebook exactly. will track all that information. And then you can mm-hmm. build a campaign based on you know people that visited but didn't buy, let's say, or whatever. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So quite often people will either use their own website so they can put a Facebook pixel on it. I Is it correct that you can use a Facebook pixel on uh, like uh, books to read links? Do they allow that? Well, the, the actual see. pixel goes on your website. Do. Right. So. Oh, does it? Then, OK. But I you can use the not... books to read link on your on your right. website. So that's fine. Okay. Like, so you still send yeah. them to your website and then you have like, I guess the link to all the different stores with using the books or you have one with the books to read link, I guess that then gives them all that stuff. It's still tracking it on your website. Yeah. Yeah. So the face, okay. So the Facebook pixel <clears throat> can only go on your website. Like I said, I am not a Facebook um, expert to put it mildly. Um, but, but yeah, I, I know that some people use their own website. I know that some people do use books to read, not necessarily on their own website. I mean, I guess you could do that, but then that's just adding yet another click. Right. right. Um, so they'll probably use one or the other. Um, there's also the idea of, I will put Amazon as the, the click in the ad itself and then put the other links in the storefronts as a, uh, down below as like a comment or something seems like, um, or in the description anyway. So there's a couple of different ways of, of doing it. Um, you should probably ask somebody who knows about that. Um, (laughs) but, but yeah, and you can also choose, um, to target just one storefront at a time. 
right? So especially Apple, I have found, or I have heard, excuse me, that that is, can be very useful, that you can target Apple device users, people, you know, who are, who are Apple users and, um, and try and get them to, to go to Apple books. So, um, and then you can also just target Amazon and, and Kindle users and get them to go to your Kindle link. Um, I've heard that it's harder to do Barnes and Noble and Kobo. Um, but yeah, uh, you now know everything that I know about Facebook ads and half of it's probably wrong. Um, no, but you know what, that's, that's perfect, right? Because like you're showing us exactly what we want you to show us, which is what we don't know. So this is like, I'm using (laughs) Facebook as the example, because that's what like people that are not wide, that's sort of like the go-to other than Amazon, mm-hmm. uh, Mark, mm-hmm. Amazon ads themselves, right? But if you're wide, obviously mm-hmm. that's not going to help you. But um, so to me, it was like Facebook's like what I was thinking of. But if there's other ways mm-hmm. to advertise your book, that's what we want to hear about. Yeah, yeah. So um, I there are a few authors who are wide who also use AMS ads. Uh, it is harder to do because you don't have the KU page reads to help um, – uh, up your ROI, right? Um, but there are a few authors who I've heard who have had luck with that, especially uh, advertising paperbacks. Um, has been one that I've heard heard uh, good things about. Um, for the most part, AMS ads are are harder for white authors for sure. Um, to make profitable. Then there are the BookBub cost per click ads and cost per impression ads. Um, And those are quite nice because you can target each retailer very easily. um, And you can actually use your own affiliate links in there. That's something that not everybody knows. So then you can track clicks and such also through your affiliate links, right? So you can see and you also can get affiliate income from it. And so... Um, so book, book, book ads, cost per click and, and cost per impression are, are something else that white authors can do. Um, and you've now reached the limits of my, uh, book, book ads <laughs> because I don't, I don't use them either. I mean, I have, I have actually run those in the past as opposed to Facebook ads, which I've never run, but, um, I just, um, honestly, and, and Craig will love hearing this as owner of hidden gems, uh, paid newsletters is, I way easier to make money off, um, to make money from using them as opposed to cost per click ads. Um, cost per click ads, you could, you could spend a thousand dollars and not make a penny, right? Like you could just, you, you are not guaranteed to have any luck whatsoever. So unless you have a large budget and you're willing to do a lot of testing and iterations and you, you've just got cash that you can spend on this, uh, paid newsletters are, are a much better deal because if you spend $1,000 and you don't make any money from it for paid newsletters, uh, you've picked some really terrible paid newsletters. <laughs> you need to go pick some different ones, right? Um, so, so there's a much higher ROI um, just out of the gate. And um, you aren't having to constantly tweak and track and A-B test and all those sorts of things um, with paid newsletters. So um, what I personally have found, and and Craig may be able to speak to this uh, from his point of view as a newsletter owner, um, is that the ROI, the, the clicks on a paid book are much, much lower than the clicks on a free book. And so it is, I'm draft to digital uh, did uh, pulled some data on this. Um, Dan Woods was talking about it one day. Um, BookBub has pulled da- data on this and they put up a, a blog on their partner's uh, blog about it. Um, but ROI on a free book, advertising a free book is much, much higher than the ROI on a paid book. Um, so that fits, that dovetails quite nicely in with the wide strategy um, where we are able to have perma-free books. And so um, we are able to run ads on our perma-free books and not worry about them um, only being free for five days and all that good fun stuff, right? 
so let me just uh, pause you for a second there because I just want to get an understanding of what we're talking about in terms of ROI, because obviously if it's a free book, you're not getting any return on investment for that one book. Mm-hmm. So are you talking right. about like the series, like having a series lead or, um, you know, like a magnet toward like a book that you can use to uh, onboard people onto your catalog in general. Um, so you have like one book that's always free that you find brings people in and then they read all your other ones or, or what are we talking about here? Yes. So obviously um, somebody downloading your free book doesn't make you any money. Sadly, that's not how that works. Um, but the read through and the amount of money that you make from sales uh, of book two, three, and, and through to the rest of the series is higher than um, if you were to count the sales of a 99 cent book plus the sales of book two, three, and, and beyond of a book where a first in series is paid. Um, you just, if you are advertising a first in series that has a free, um, the overall sales, when you're looking at the series as a whole, will be higher than if you have a 99 cents first in series and you're advertising that even though you think well i mean out of the gate you've got 99 cents you're going to make you're going to make 35 cents royalty off that right like you're at least making something off that versus pay versus free where you're not making anything at all um and the other thing that throws people off is is that the read through excuse me percentages are much higher from a paid 99 cent book to the second book in the series and so you may have a 60, 70% read through of a 99 cent to a full priced second book. And you think, okay, I, I'm getting the royalties off the first book at, for, you know, it's 35 cents. I'm getting the royalties off that and I'm getting um, much higher read through. Obviously, that's going to be the one that's going to make me more money. But uh, overall volume trumps everything else. It's it's the trump card, right? You 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 lay that down. You're like, I win, um, because the amount of downloads that you get of a free book versus a paid book are astronomically wildly different from each other. So you get so many more downloads of a free book than you do a paid book. That even though you actually get paid for that paid book, even though the read through is higher because you're talking about a much bigger number, a smaller read through to the second book, you still end up making more money. Does that make right. sense? That, yeah, that totally makes sense because, uh, I mean, I, I haven't pulled any raw numbers, but I know um, that the order of magnitude of clicks that a free book will get on the newsletter are usually you know, 10 to 20 times at least what a paid yep. 99 cent book will get. So. Um, it doesn't matter if you're getting a 60% read through on your, um, on your 99 cent book, because the sheer volume, even if you're only getting, um, you know, a 10% read through on the, on the free books, you're still getting more read through. So exactly. Exactly. Yes. Thousand percent. So, so BookBub has done studies on this. Uh, Draft to Digital has done studies on this. Um, and everybody, everybody says the same thing that, um, uh, the, the, the paid is just a much harder sell and you're, you're just not going to make as much money from it. Now that is statistically, right. It's always, it's, there are always exceptions. I have met people who are like, I never make any money. If the book is free, it has to be paid. All right. You know what you, you do you that if that's what works for you, then, then use it. But what I'm going to say is, is that everybody should try free because I, in fact, you know what? Try free and paid. <laughs> do, and, do your own scientific A-B testing here, right? Um, most people who are unhappy with their results from a uh, BookBub featured deal are statistically most likely to have had a paid BookBub rather than a free BookBub. Um, the number of people who are unhappy with a free BookBub is quite low. Um, yeah. I mean, the overall number of people who are unhappy with BookBub is quite low, right? But if you're <laughs> yeah. going to have somebody upset, it's going to be over a paid usually. Yeah, no, their numbers are are pretty uh, pretty good in terms of the sheer volume of people that they're pushing your book out to and that click on it. Um, so absolutely, I can see that. But but I I'm still yeah. uh, like a series. Mm-hmm. We're still talking about series, though, right? Like, mm-hmm. what about the yes, standalones? Absolutely. 
that's like I a have separate... no idea how to promote a standalone. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> yeah. I, I I feel like um publishing standalones as a um as a indie author, K U Y whatever, is like um playing the game civilization and putting the the difficulty level on God, right? Like why would you do that to yourself? This is the most very specific example. (laughs) You know, (laughs) when I played Civilization years ago and I can't even beat it on like easy. So no, I (laughs) my son played Civilization yesterday, put it on dirty mode and was like, this is too hard. This is impossible. And then yes, you just yes, use exactly. that as an example. I think that's wonderful. Yeah, yeah, that's funny. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a big Civilization fan. I actually don't play that many video games. That's like the only video game I play that I love it. Oh, um, I played it crack. since it was Civ, <laughs> since Civ three. So I've been a fan for many, 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 many moons. Um, one thing that I wanted to say before uh, we got away from it too much is, um, again, with the overall volume. Um, it's always hard for authors to know what to expect. Um, when they do have, when they are advertising a free book, because authors can be kind of cagey about numbers, right? Like, well, I don't know if I'm going to tell you the, the numbers that I have. Um, and so you you can run paid newsletters, you can run Facebook ads, you can be running these things and go, I have no idea if I am doing better than the same as or worse than and the average of overall authors out there. Right. So I like to give people kind of some um, benchmarks so that they know you're at, you are advertising or you're performing as expected or something is really wrong or wow, you're doing awesome. Big gold star on your forehead. Right. Um, So just some, just some numbers for people to, to uh, use as benchmarks. If you are doing paid newsletters uh, that are not called BookBub, right, Um, for a free book, you should expect a read-through between 2 to 4%, okay? Um, There are authors who I know um, who get upwards of 10, 12, 15%, which is amazing for a free book, okay? So if you're one of those authors, that's why you get to put the gold star on your forehead. Um, now let's look at BookBub. BookBub is so massive. They drive so many tens of thousands of downloads in one day that their read-through is lower, but you still end up making gobs of money, right? So, um, with BookBub, you should expect an overall average of one to 3% rather than two to 4%. So it is lower. Um, now, this is an overall average across all storefronts combined together. Some things to know is, statistically, you are most likely to have the lowest read-through on Amazon. Um, statistically, you are most likely to have the highest read-through on Barnes & Noble and Apple. So if I am looking at my stats just on Amazon, I will sometimes have a read-through of 0.75, not even 1%, 0.75% read-through, which is horrible. For that same series, I will have 10 or 15% read-through on Barnes & Noble. So each download on Amazon is worth a lot less than a download on a wide storefront because the conversion rate is so much higher. So if you look at a pie chart of all of my downloads, Amazon absolutely dominates. But then I only make 35 to 40% of my income from Amazon. How can that be? It's because there are so many people at Amazon who download, read, go to the next free book, download, read. They are not loyal readers. Even if they, I think the last time we talked about loyalty and KU and and KU readers not being loyal. Amazon readers as a whole are not very loyal. So they will read a book, say thank you very much, and go on with their lives. The wide storefront readers tend to be much much more loyal. Their read-through rate is much higher. So don't be discouraged if your download rates on Barnes & Noble is one-tenth your download rate on Amazon because you may end up still making more money from your Barnes & Noble. 
because the read-through rate is so much higher and because those readers are so loyal. So that's really that's really fascinating stuff to talk about and the specific percentages I find really, really valuable because it, it's when you start thinking about the, the mass um, impact something like a book club has or something like that, then mm-hmm. you can start seeing that one, two percent, that makes a, a big difference. But it does. Yeah. I think there are a lot of people who are going to listen to this and have their assumptions tested, which is probably the benefit of, of inviting somebody like you on. <laughs> right. Yeah. And I've, you know, I have um, not only my own catalog, which, you know, I, I obviously have pretty good information about, but because of all the consultations that I have done with, with wide links, um, I'm coming up on 300 consultations now. Um, I have talked to a lot of people and, um, statistically what I found with my own catalog, I'm not an anomaly, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Um, There is the rare person who has a very different um, um, experience, but what I'm experiencing is is, is by far the most common thing for people to have happen to them too. Um, So I do try to have people not get discouraged when they see lower downloads on the wide storefronts. How am I supposed to ever find anybody? You know what? The people who you do find are worth their weight in gold. So this is one of the reasons why I'm always pushing authors to be careful when they are sending out their newsletters and when they are posting on social media to not only be targeting and giving away Amazon gift cards or Kindle e-readers because Maybe their their wide audience is small, but they're mighty, and you should be giving away. I I personally, when I give out gift cards, and I actually have a, a drawing, every single email that I send out has winners in it, and I always give my winners a choice of which storefront they want a gift card for, so they can choose Apple, Barnes and Noble, Kobo, Google Play, Amazon, or Eden Books. Statistically, most of them choose Amazon, and that's okay. But I always give that option because I never want my wide readers who are worth their weight in gold and who I love mightily to ever feel like they are less than, that they are not important, that their storefront isn't being included. Yeah, maybe you should just uh, not offer the Amazon one entirely. Take that off your list. Yeah, I know. I just, I don't want to ever make anybody not feel included. So if they yeah. only read on Amazon, you know, I want, I want them to also feel included, but, but there's, it's so often that authors give away a $500 gift card to Amazon and that's it. And there's yeah. nothing for these other readers. And so, and then they go, man, I don't ever make any progress on the wide storefronts. I'm like, fascinating. Do pray tell, tell me more. I'm so, you know, uh, the problem too, so, is that it's not even going to help I mean, not necessarily even going to help your Amazon sales because the Amazon gift card can be used for anything on Amazon. And there's so much more than books, right? Where there are all the Absolutely. other ones, you know, you're yes. pretty much limited to buying books. Yeah. I mean, you know, um, Kobo and Barnes and Noble, it's books and, and audiobooks only. Google Play and Apple, you can buy videos or, you know, with Google Play, you can buy video games, right? With your right. Google mm-hmm. Play card. But you can't go buy a TV with it. Right. <laughs> you can't go buy exactly. a new shirt with it, right? So, so yeah, um, I feel like um, it's a mind shift. Just having that wide, wide mindset that I am always going to include all readers. So I, along those same lines, I never cross promote with someone who is only in KU. Because then I'm telling my readers, hey, I've got this great book. I love it. You should definitely read it and screw you to everybody who reads on a different platform than Amazon. Not nice. So I, think that I makes... will not cross promote with people who are not wide. Sorry. No, I think that's really interesting. And I think one of the things that maybe authors don't think about is how you end up like curating your list. I mean, I know that my mm-hmm. mailing list are almost exclusively Kindle unlimited subscribers. And right. that works for me when I'm advertising because uh of my strategy of like aiming specifically for that audience but you're right if you only reward the amazon people then you're like slowly narrowing your list to only people who are on amazon 
Exactly. You're slowly yeah. cultivating and, and people who read on different storefronts will drop off because they'll realize there's nothing here for me. Right? Why are they going to continue to receive an email from a, from an author where they don't, they don't get to read any of the books that that author writes. They don't get to read any of the books that that author promotes. The author is giving away gift cards that aren't on the storefront that they use. Why would they stick around there? What good does that do them? So, um, people who. Uh, are switching from wide to KU, uh, from KU to wide, excuse me, um, struggle with this in the beginning because uh, they have cultivated a very strong Amazon only KU heavy newsletter list. And when they make that switch over, they're going to find they're going to lose a lot of readers. Their open rate is going to drop dramatically because people may just be like, well, I'm not going to take the time to unsubscribe. I'll just quit opening it. Right, because that person's gone. Why they're not on KU anymore? I'm not going to pay any attention. Um, and then you are like, man, I'm not, I'm not finding anybody who is wide. Um, my my KU readers did not transition with me. Nope, they surely didn't. And this is why I I am so adamant about please do not start out in KU and then go wide, if your final job your your final destination is always going to be wide. If you're like, I want to be a wide author, but I'm overwhelmed by the idea of being wide, so I'm just going to start out in KU. You build up a newsletter list filled with people who will not buy from you after you go wide. You do all this stuff for an audience that isn't going to move with you. And when you finally do move, you're going to be so frustrated because you are back to square one and you get to build that all over again. And you're going to hate life. Don't do it. So if you are really overwhelmed by the idea of going wide, just start out with one storefront and add on other storefronts as you have time. There's nothing that says you have to upload to all of them at the same time. I know I went into that last time, so I won't repeat myself, but this is the reason why I'm so adamant about that. Please do not start out in KU if you intend on going wide. You will, your future you will be very unhappy with current you if you do that. Yeah, you know, it really changes a lot of the thought process around building your newsletter and uh, or building a valuable newsletter. Like a lot of the times we um, see people that use um, the various services to give away free books and build their newsletter based on that. And if the numbers that you're talking about, um, if they're if they're uh, Amazon heavy, then it really, and most people are when they are talking about this problem is, you know, a lot of the times you build your, your mailing list from people that read free books and they don't translate to people that buy your future books that are not free. And Mm -hmm. it sounds like part of the reason for that is because it's this Amazon heavy newsletter you've built of free readers that are not loyal, that are statistically not going to spend on your next books. Whereas if they uh, spent that sa- those same dollars and effort to build that newsletter off of people that are wide, then even though it's still on a free book, they would probably see a better return when they started promoting books that are not free. So that's, that's really yes. interesting. Yeah. Hundred percent. You got it. Gold star in your forehead. Too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, it is one of the things that that makes me crazy the most is when I see people who are trying to do newsletter builders who use um, either gift cards or they use uh, prizes. Like I recently saw one where they were giving away Lego sets um, as prizes for a reader builder, uh, readership building um, uh, giveaway. Um, People who play with Legos don't necessarily also read books. So you're saying, oh, hey, sign up for this big, uh, big prize where you're going to win Legos and then I'll add you to my list and talk to you about my books. The disconnect there is, is wildly huge. Like this is not a good idea. So um, I don't ever recommend giving away gift cards in order to get readers onto your list, nor do I ever recommend giving away something other than a book. Because yes, there are freebie seekers out there. And yes, they will just download your book and move on and never buy anything from you. 
but at least they read that genre. At least they read books, right? As opposed to giving away something like a cooking set, right? Like you got pots and pans, I'll send you, or chocolate. And it's like, um, yeah, but do they also like to read? Um, and so you've got to be very careful and very thoughtful about what it is that you're using as a magnet to draw people to your list. And step number one is make sure that it's a book. At least start with that. Um, and then also target Amazon and wide readers. You will have much better results at that point. Well, clearly you've never seen my Lego typewriter, but aside from that. <laughs> I was going to um, say, I've got, I've got Lego Aston Martin just on the corner there. <laughs> right, yeah. right. And there's nothing, I mean, I love Legos too, right? But if you love Legos, it doesn't mean that you also love reading. Like those are, those can, right? You have the crossover. What's that? What's that? Venn diagram. Yeah. People who love both. Right. But, but there's, there's no guarantee that, that will, if you love one, you're going to love the other. So stop well, the Lego way as a prize. Yeah. The Lego typewriter is more for authors, I guess, than readers. So <laughs> that would be the prize. Yeah. For, uh, that's why I bought yeah. it. Anyway. Uh, no, I, that absolutely makes sense because, um, you know, you see people giving and the same the same goes for like you were saying before, like if you're giving away a Kindle, then you're really targeting Amazon readers because, you know, that's the people that are going to want the Kindle. Right. So, um, yep. yeah, you got to think about your prize and and the um, not just give away something randomly, but give away something strategic. Yes. And so people, I just wanted to throw this out there because people may be confused where I was like, I give away gift cards all the time. And then I'm like, don't use gift cards. Um, there's a very big difference in, in how I'm using gift cards versus what I was just talking about. You should not use gift cards in order to entice people to sign up for your newsletter. Okay. But once someone is already on your newsletter, because they found one of your books, they signed up because they wanted to get the free book that is only available to newsletter subscribers, or you, you know, however it is that you got them onto your list using a book. Um, I have as part of my um, uh, if funnel, my opening sequence, a link to a survey. And in the survey, I just ask people lots of questions. I ask them, do they listen to ebooks or or audiobooks or do they only read ebooks? Do they like print books? Do they do they check out books from their library? Which platforms do they read off? I then take that information and it's all automatically synced up to my subscribers on MailerLite. It automatically tags them. So then I can actually send out an email to everybody who says that they read on an Apple device. And say, hey, by the way, I have a sale that's going on on Apple. Um, go, go check this out without bothering people who only read on a Kobo or an Amazon or whatever device, right? Um, so where the, the prize comes in, where the gift card comes in is um, I use the subscribers who have filled out that survey. Um, I pull two winners from that pot of subscribers every time I send out a newsletter. If they are in the US, they get a gift card. If they are international, they get a free book from BookFunnel, from one of my books as a, as a free book. There, I wish that I could just give away gift cards to everybody around the world, but there are some storefronts that won't allow you to send gift cards in this country and that country, and then there's this and that, and it was very confusing. Um, and it's very difficult to be like, well, if you live in this country and you read on this device, then I can give you a gift card. But if you live in this country and you read on this device, I can't give you a gift card. Like it just, it was a mess. So I was like, all right, until the storefronts catch up with the rest of us. And it was actually Amazon who was giving me the biggest bits about this, by the way. I ended up actually sending a gal money via PayPal because Amazon refused to allow me to buy a gift card for her in this country that I wanted to send it to her. in. So um, I was just like, after that, I'm like, Screw it. I'm out. <laughs> wow, yeah. So if you are in the U.S., you get a gift card. Um, and if you are in uh, international, you get a you get a, a free book out of the catalog. But here's the real trick is that um, I announce these winners in my newsletter. I do not send an email to those winners and say, hey, you won. Congratulations. How exciting. No, 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 no. They have to open up my email, scroll down to the bottom see if they are a winner and respond back and claim their prize. So my open rates, 
my read rates stay quite high because maybe this is the week where they win, right? But I'm not using a gift card to get them onto that list. That's, I think that's really valuable advice because I always say that uh, when I'm, I always realize that when I give free books and I attract people in, sometimes I'm only attracting people who want the, the freebies. And it's the mm -hmm. same thing there, I guess. So I, could we just take, take a step back and maybe like look at your, your, uh, your strategy on the whole? I mean, it seems to be you promote the free books to try and get people onto your mailing list and then you use gift cards and things to continue them. And that's, and you use newsletters to do that. That seems to be like the focus of your approach. Uh, yes. So I, I have a rule. Um, I don't spend a penny advertising a book that has a price tag on it. So I will only ever advertise free books. Um, and something that a lot of people have confusion about is permafree versus newsletter magnet. Um, I like to use the analogy of salt and pepper. They are both very useful when it comes to cooking, but you really should not get these two confused, right? Permafreeze and newsletter magnets work together very, very well, but they are not the same thing. A permafree should be up on a storefront. It should be free on all storefronts. You should be able to use in-house promotions, paid newsletters, book bubs, all those sorts of things to drive, oh, in-house in visibility also, right? Uh, the top 100 list of a storefront. All of that gives visibility to this permafree. In the back of your permafree is the advertisement to your paid, new, to your, um, excuse me, your newsletter magnet. You only have the newsletter magnet available if the person signs up for the newsletter. They cannot read it otherwise. All visibility for that newsletter magnet comes from either somebody reading through to the back of your permafree or, sorry, my internet just glitched on me. Can you see? No, we can, hear, we can read you loud and clear. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Okay. I will ignore the fact that I froze. Um, <laughs> so all visibility for your newsletter magnet comes either from the back of a permafree that somebody downloaded and read through to the back of. Right? So this isn't someone who just downloaded the permafree and, and walked away and never used it again, um, or never, never actually opened it and read it. These are people who actually read through to the back of your permafree. So obviously they enjoyed it. They now go and they sign up for your newsletter magnet. They're now on your list. They get this another free book. Um, they get to read that. They've now read two free books by you. Either they really love your writing style or they're masochists, right? So I would like to think that they will then continue to read more books by me. So um, I, I will occasionally use my newsletter magnet also if I do a swap with another author. So I put my newsletter magnet into my, um, their newsletter magnet into my email and they put my newsletter magnet into their email. I will occasionally do that. There are book funnel promotions and story origin promotions and all those other promotions where you can promote and say, download this newsletter magnet, get added to my email list. I don't find that those are super useful because they tend to be quite broad and people are being added to 6, 10, 12, 20 newsletter lists at the same time, which is overwhelming. And as an author, you go, oh, wow, look at all these email lists, all these emails, they just came in and now my email list is huge and I'm doing awesome. And then their open rates drop, their click-through rates drop, and they find that the people who are on their list aren't connected with them personally. Because the person on the other end just got 20 different email lists from 20 different authors and is going, oh my gosh, like, <laughs> make it stop, right? My inbox just exploded. Make it all go away. And they just shut down and stop paying any attention to any of it. It all becomes just noise. So I don't tend to use those. Um, and yeah, it's been years, years since I've used those. Um, you get much higher quality newsletter subscribers from the back of your permafree. 
So I only advertise my permit free, use that as a funnel to get onto my newsletter list, use my newsletter list as a funnel to sell people more books in my series. And is your newsletter magnet a full book or is that like a, like a novella or is it um, like, what is that? Yeah. Good question. Um, so my newsletter magnet is a novella. It's, I want to say 20, 30,000 words somewhere in there. So it's not the shortest novella in the world, but it is a novella. Um, you can have your newsletter magnet be a novella, a short story, um, a full length novel, you know, you can do any one of those. What is more important than anything else is that it be closely related and tied to your series and your books. So, um, people, I had a gal, if she doesn't listen to this, um, this recording, <clears throat> but I had a gal one time ask me if uh, she could use the poetry that she had written. Um, and she was a romance author and she wanted, she, she wrote poetry on the side for fun and wanted to know if she could use that as her newsletter magnet. And I was like, um, I mean, you can, you can use anything as your newsletter magnet, right? But do I think that's a good idea? No, no, nobody <laughs> wants to read your, your, your poetry, right? Like, unless you are actually a poet, in which case, yes, use it in that case, but it needs to be very closely tied and linked to your books. Um, not the closely, the more closely it is related to your books, the better the, um, the conversion rate is going to be, the higher number of people are actually going to sign up for it. Because um, you usually, as a reader, well, as a viewer, just as a consumer of, of entertainment as a whole, think about how many behind the scenes documentaries that you've watched, right? Because you always want that little bit more. You're like, oh, how is this made? How is this done? It's that kind of a thing. So your newsletter magnet doesn't even need to be a story. It could be, let's say that you uh, write mysteries or um, let's say that your main character is an FBI, uh, FBI person, right? The newsletter magnet could be a dossier on that, on that FBI agent and um, gives this like inside information about, you know, this is their employment file and blah, 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 blah. There's really no limit to what you can use as your newsletter magnet. The most important thing to, to keep in mind is that it needs to be tightly integrated with whatever it is that you write um, and preferably can be read at any point without spoilers. So if somebody were to find your newsletter magnet first because you are cross-promoting with another author and they're putting your newsletter magnet in theirs and you're putting their news magnet in yours and blah, blah, blah. If they were to read this newsletter magnet before they read any books by you, does it still make sense? Does it completely spoil the story arc of this series that you are wanting to then sell to this person? That's a bad idea. Or do that and just don't ever use it as a cross-promotion tool, right? Um, I put my newsletter magnet, I talk about it in the back of every single one of my books. Um, there's the idea of the seven touches, right? That, that, that's very common in the marketing world. And so when someone downloads my permafree and reads through to the end, maybe they don't take that opportunity to sign up for my newsletter. Maybe they just go to the next book and they read that book. Like, I'm not going to want to lose them as being potential newsletter subscribers because I only advertise my newsletter magnet in the back of the first book. If they read all of my books, those are the ones I want on my newsletter list, right? So I will talk about and put an excerpt from my newsletter magnet in the back of every single book that I publish. Because I'm, I want them to go, man, all right, fine. I'll go sign up for her newsletter if I can just get this book, right? Because I, I just want it to be in their face without, of course, being obnoxious, but be in their face and a constant reminder. Did you, did you sign up yet? What about now? What about now? Come on down. The price is right. So um, my newsletter magnet is a complete standalone in the world that I write in. So every single one of my books are standalones in a series. And this is simply another story in that world. 
and so it can be read at any point it doesn't it doesn't contain spoilers um and and so it is um enticing whether you've read anything by me at all you're in the middle of reading my books or you've read all of my books and you're like fine i have nothing left to read by aaron wright i guess i'll go sign up for this newsletter magnet or sign up for this newsletter so i can get this book so it's applicable no matter where you're at and that is important because I'm lazy. Um, some people use newsletter magnets where they will write like an excerpt, like a, a scene from the cutting room floor, right? Where it was like, I wrote this scene, it didn't end up finishing the book. I'm going to give that away as a newsletter magnet at the end of my novel. You absolutely can do that. I'm not saying that you can't. I don't because I'm lazy. And I find the time spent writing that for every one of my books. I just, I don't, I don't have time for that. So, um, because you have to write, like you can't use the, the scene from Cutting Room Floor from book three at the end of book seven, right? So you have to write a separate one for every one of your stories. If you want to do that, go forth and have at you, but it's not, I'm just lazy. <laughs> yeah, well, actually, so that, that actually, um, I know we're running out of time here, but like that actually uh, leads into sort of like what I'm I'm wondering here in terms of, uh, you as a writer are different than other writers in the sense, I mean, there's obviously going to be some that are similar, but you're writing all of your books sort of in this shared world. So that really makes sense to have this one lead magnet, right? But there's lots of authors, mm-hmm. even if we're ignoring the idea of standalones um, that are writing multiple series, right? So does that mm-hmm. mean then that they should uh, have a different lead magnet for every series, right? I am because you're not, if, if your lead magnet is related to series one and then you're writing series two, does it make sense then to have your series one lead magnet in your series two books, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, maybe they're related and maybe it still ties together, but sometimes they're completely unrelated. Yes, exactly. That is such a good question. So in cases like that, it's just a matter of how related are your books, Right. So if you write um, all mystery thrillers, they're all very close to each other, but they're just, you know, this one's got this main character is different than the main character over here. But people who are reading it are going to be like, I love mystery thrillers. So I'm going to, you know, I'm going to download, even if it is not part of the series that I'm currently reading, then you can get away with just having one newsletter magnet. If you write very disparate genres under the same name, you cannot entice your hard sci-fi readers to sign up for your newsletter using your romance, romantic suspense newsletter magnet. In fact, I would say you should probably split, <laughs> split out your pen name, right? Like, yeah. mm-hmm. um, but the more closely related they are, the, the higher the likelihood that you could get away with using the same one. If you, if they are not closely related, or if you feel like there's, there's just kind of a different feel, like some people will even always write, um, romance, but like one will have one series will have a really dark, gritty feeling to it, and one will be a lighter, happier, fun one. Your newsletter magnet isn't going to work for both of them. So in that case, you do have, need to have multiple newsletter magnets, and um, and that's just what has to happen if this is a strategy that you want to use to grow your newsletter list, which I obviously very strongly feel like is a good idea because it really helps, and the subscribers who are on your list are people who have downloaded a book by you and or purchased a book by you, read it, got to the end, enjoyed it so much that they now want to be on your list. Those are readers who you want on your list, not somebody who signed up because there's a Lego gift pack, right? Absolutely. I sound like I hate Legos. I love Legos, just so everybody knows. <laughs> no, so I, I. I think you've given us a really good strategic overview of like how you've got to think about the people you want to do this. You've got to think of them as readers. And it's like yes. you're attracting them to your list because you want to give them what it is that you want. And hopefully what you offer and what they want is the same thing. But exactly. we are. Yeah, we're unfortunately running to the top of the hour. So we're going to have to cut you off. Oh, look at that face. Uh, we're gonna have I, <laughs> no it's much. been really really wonderful and i'm sure one of the things that uh craig's gonna do except he's just disappearing off is uh invite you straight back um <laughs> fact, awesome i'm just gonna pause for a second do, 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 what do, is do, he doing <laughs> do, 
I don't know, with me normally it's a dog or a child or something like that that is causing right. the yeah last time do you remember how Hermes kept jumping up on my lap he is outside today so he can't <laughs> because he was he was doing what your cat was doing earlier where he kept like walking in front of her you oh typewriter didn't you <laughs> all right so yeah i couldn't let it go without <laughs> showing my lego typewriter since there's so much lego talk and it even sort of works and I have my Lego Aston Martin, which is not quite as impressive as the typewriter. But... <laughs> this is not a giveaway, by the way. <laughs> You'll have to fight him for it. That's right. I think that is fantastic. I I absolutely love that. Um, oh, wow. Okay. All right. Well, I'm glad you shared that with the class. <laughs> well, yeah. thank well, you no. so much. Oh, no. Go ahead, Craig. No, I, I was going to say, you know, thanks. Thanks. Yeah, exactly. Thanks so much. This was an awesome talk. And I think uh, this was filled with like a ton of good information that I think uh, everyone's, anyone going wide, but even people that aren't, you know, there's a lot of good newsletter tips, good advertising tips, good marketing tips in here. Obviously they're best for going wide, but I think, you know, anybody could, could learn from, from all of this. Yeah. I mean, because you're, you're a newsletter magnet um, relating to your series, but you should write in series, um, a cross promote with authors who are like you, right? Even, I'm saying only cross promote with white authors because I'm a white author. But if you're a KU author, only cross promote with KU authors. Don't cross promote with white authors. You're going to be sending a, a book out, <clears throat> excuse me, to your list that is available on Amazon, but not in KU. And your KU readers are going to be unhappy about that. Um, so, so really there's not much benefit for KU authors and white authors to cross promote. They just shouldn't. That makes in my a humble lot opinion. of sense. No, that makes a lot of sense. And uh, the nice thing is you're, you're not so humble about your opinions, but they, they seem to come from a place of, uh, experience and data, which I think is important. Yeah, I try. Well, um, we have reached the end of the hour, so we're going to wrap things up. Erin, thank you so much for coming on board. Um, hopefully, people have found this really, really valuable, and I'm sure we're going to have you back. Any final thoughts, Craig? No, we're definitely going to have her back. Um, we'll we'll start scheduling that again. Uh, but otherwise, yeah, uh, we're I guess we're still just saying find you on wide for the win, right? Yes, please. Uh, just go to Facebook and look up the the name uh, group name Wide for the Win and come join us. We're up over 12,000 members now. I think last time we talked, we were between 10 and 11,000. So we are growing rapidly. So, well, obviously, yeah, that was us. because of the podcast, right? So uh, now next time you're going to be at 13 <laughs> or 14,000. So. 100%. There's nothing but that that's going to happen. Absolutely. Perfect. Well, thank you very much. And to those of you listening, uh, please make sure to drop a like, leave us a comment, click the subscribe button, go and check out Erin's websites. And we will be back uh, next week with another episode and another special guest. So thank you very much, Erin. Thank you very much, Craig. And we will speak to everyone later. Bye.